Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello there and welcome to Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner's GA podcast. Well, Galway and Tipperary hurled up a storm on Sunday, as expected, with Joe Canning's wonder score, the difference between the sides. The drama and the excitement was in marked contrast to the dour football quarterfinals at Croke Park the evening before. John Fogarty will tackle the football issue shortly, while Anthony Daly will give his thoughts on Galway's progression to the All-Ireland Final. Joe Canning, socks down around the ankles. He's inside his own 45-metre line, just to the right of the pulse. He's way, way out. He's dropping this ball in. He's dropping a little bit short. Tipperary have it. Darren Gleeson had to dive. He only saw it at the last second. Oh, what a save by Gleeson. And the ball has cleared out the field. Gathering it here is Johnny Cohen. And Galway put the pressure on. The league and Leinster champions want that place. Back to Joe Canning in front of the Cusick stand. He hits it in. He's under pressure. The umpire is going for the white flag. The voices you heard there of John Milan and Marty Morrissey on RT Radio 1's coverage of the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final. So, Delo, have you caught your breath yet? I'm, I, I'm recovered enough, uh, Colum. Uh, I'm probably still better than John Milan, like, you know. Uh, some crack uh, been on the, the radio analysis yesterday and John on commentary, like, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I hadn't actually been on with him before, so I hadn't actually been witness to it, but uh, it's some fun. <laughs> Talk about playing every ball. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great, Colin. Man, it was, I, I, I know maybe I'm reaching a stage in my life. I think where I'm appreciating these things. You know, just training the old club this morning. There, um, playing championship do or die now at the weekend. So just doing those sessions for the lads there this morning, and uh, one or two lads said to me, "Yeah, it wasn't really a classic like." And I said, "Jesus, you know, I've not seen the rest of the sport over the weekend. You know." I, Maybe I'm just at a stage where I'm, I'm appreciating it much, much more, but I thought the second half had a, had absolutely everything, including a good few mistakes, which, you know, if fellas are not going at a thousand miles an hour to the ball, there won't be too many mistakes, but they were going a thousand miles an hour and they were going absolutely head first, arms first, whatever first, you know, and uh, that's it was just fantastic to watch, I thought. We'll have to start at the, the end, I suppose, Anthony. That point from Joe Canning... Must rank up there with one of the greatest you've seen? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I know he hasn't that elusive All-Ireland medal. He's 70 minutes away from us, but um, God, he has given us some moments over the years, you know. I remember going back there to the 2009, an epic under-21 semi-final, uh, Clare and Galway and Furless himself, and Darrell Conan at the time was absolutely on fire for Clare, for forward, and 
God, I just sitting in the stand talking, you know, canning and on, and like it's just incredible. One, I suppose, is more about absolute pace and, and size and power, and canning's wrists like were incredible. But yeah, and I mean, to be able to do that on a day where possibly a lot of people in the stands were murmuring about, you know, should he come out for the second half? Because to be honest, everyone knew he was injured. Really, going into it, you know, from just from being in Galway at the old races on Monday and chatting to lads they were saying that he probably wouldn't start even you know, or if he started he wouldn't last 70 and to be able to come up with that play and the stroke of the 74th minute you know, is it quite incredible now uh, I wouldn't have complained if I'd missed it to be honest with you if, if Barry Kelly had actually blown it off when, when James Barry cleared the ball um, but you know it was it was reminiscent of 213 I suppose with, a little bit of you know the time wasn't up I suppose in fairness there was a couple of seconds to run maybe 6-7 and uh, great great awareness by Johnny Cohen I have to say as well I thought it would have great came throughout um, to, to, to have the presence of mind to win ball and, and, and how many of us you know drive forward in a situation like that headlessly and, and took a pot shot and Johnny wouldn't be although he got a couple of good scores he wouldn't be a shooter of those calibre but to have the awareness to wheel around and, and put it back to the you know, one of the best hurlers in the country and, you know, what a score and just, you know, an absolute. If you're going to win a classic, what better way to win it? One line in your column today stands out for me, uh, Anthony. It's uh, about halfway through it. There is something different about Galway this year. So could you expand on that for me? Yeah, well, look, um, like, I played against great Galway teams, you know, if you ever mapped Joe Rabbit, Ollie Fahey, you know, Kevin Broderick, Alan Kearns, Fergus Healy, all these guys, and um, like I had to, in my time, they were great players and, and brilliant. But as a unit, somehow we always felt maybe in our head that there was something a little bit flaky about them as a unit, not individually, because God, with their castle, we used to often go up and play challenge matches there to get ourselves ready for the championship. We'd play two Galway Cup teams and they'd be abandoned usually, to be honest with you, Colin. There'd be no go back with them, but as a unit, they just couldn't seem to put that kind of um, necessary 70-odd minutes together of, of ferociousness to get you over the line in a, in a massive contest. But just since that they've kind of grown as a group, I give great credit to Anthony Cunningham as well for that. And that he sort of brought fellas like the Mannions, um, Han- Hanbury, um, Dahi Burke, who many fe- people felt probably hadn't the, the skill set to play senior hurling, you know, uh, Gerard McInerney, like he he blooded these guys, and you know they have really grown as as players. And you know, I, I, Aidan Hart, another guy who was questioned a lot by South Galway hurling men, you know, not by his own and Garth, but neighbouring clubs maybe that he wasn't at that standard. And I, I just think Hart over the last two three seasons has been possibly the best seven in Ireland, you know, in terms of consistency. So, and to see Parik Mannion, you know, we go back go back two years ago, and I suppose I mentioned it as well, Colm, you know, to see what Callan did to him. I suppose Anthony maybe would have to hold up his hands on this, putting him full back on, on Callan. You know, Callan destroyed him. What did he get? 3-2 three, three, or 3-3 three, three from play? And you know, to see him yesterday, the defiance of him at number five and then ball after ball coming away with, you know, I think that this is what we've seen is what we, what we haven't seen before. Yes, the law will be yes until they get their hands on, on and to see David Burke uh, holding up the that canister. Um, it'll be all for nothing, really. So, they still know it is a huge pile and, and Lucas, no better place than Galway now. The songs will start and, and all the rest. But you, you do sense that there's something different with the way Michal is handling it and the group are handling it. Even yesterday, you know, 
few seconds after Joe shot the most amazing winner, okay, we all saw his face afterwards in the pictures of Jai and but, you know, I saw him going walking over to Seamus Kennedy who was prostrate on the ground and, you know, picking him up and just saying, you know, Jamie, it could have been you, it could have been us, look, so so sorry for you, you know, and Kennedy looked up to see who it was, I suppose, and when he saw Joe, he actually got up off the ground. That was one of my images that I retained from the press, press box. Mm. You know, I suppose I was following Joe, you know, see, you know, but just, there seems to be that about them. There was no jumping around and celebrating as if the Ireland hadn't been won. There's still a, a job of work to be done, and, and that's, to me, a team that probably is on a mission, and, uh, you know, the, to me, they look like winners. I know the other two boys next Sunday will have an off lot to say about that, and I suppose particularly, I think if Cork get to the final, they'll feel tradition. Cork and Galway in a the final, they'll feel that's huge, but they have, they have 70 huge minutes to do that first. I'm going to flip that question now and ask the same of Tipperary, Anthony. What was different about Tipperary from this time 12 months ago? I'm sure, to be honest, call them very little, very, very little light. I was savagely impressed with them. I, I had tipped Galway. I, I didn't really say how many points, but if the gun was put to my head, I would have said four or five, maybe pulling away. Uh, you know, well, pulling away when I say the last five, six minutes that they would go away down the stretch and, and, and you know, win with a bit in hand. But no, I thought tip were magnificent. And look, what decided it? Nothing decided it, you know. Did Barry Kelly decide it? And look, no one can fault him either because I always think if, if these games are real classics like that, the ref must be doing an awful lot right. And uh, he obviously did that. But could he have blown us when James Barry cleared the ball? I don't think there would have been a single person because can't you imagine being a Galway fan and Joe going back to take the free and it drops short and all you're saying is, oh God, don't let Brendan Maher win this clearance and he drives it down and Bubbles catches it. You know, I'll take a draw, I'll take a draw. They would have been saying straight away, but you know, it happens like that. I know I thought Tip were magnificent as well. You know, I would have questioned a couple of his decisions during the week in terms of restoring Barry to full back, you know, giving Mickey Cahill the jersey back at number four and putting Darren back into goal. But every one of those paid dividends, and, you know, to, to a large degree, okay, the will point to Conor Whelan and, and, and Cooney, especially Cooney early on, was very sharp. But by and large, they got to grips. And maybe that's a little criticism of Galway that they are maybe not quite going for the killer instinct for the goal, you know, when there's that half chances on, but still they had chances of goals and, you know, you, you think of Cooney's one that went just outside the post and you think of Joe's one that he whipped on first time, but Gleeson did brilliantly there as well by coming out to, to make the angle difficult, so uh, they did very little wrong and they had huge performances from, from fellas who maybe, you know, have, have a lot of mileage on the clock, fellas like Brendan Maher, you know, what, what, what leadership to step up to that, that free like to, le- to level it with, which we all thought would bring us to this next Saturday night again but not to be for them and uh, you know Michael typically Michael was very gracious afterwards and just, just wanted to give the credit to, to Galway and yet proud of his own lads I, don't, I think there was very little wrong with him I wonder did the little blip though around the time of the league final co- continuing on maybe to the Cork game even though in hindsight I suppose when you do look back in the Cork game they did probably play fairly well but there was certainly a little blip in their season. I wonder did that set them back enough yesterday uh, to not get over the line. But at the same time, I think that's nitpicking. Uh, Colin, I, I, I thought they were outstanding and contributed to uh, an absolute epic. 
Um, now we're joined by John Fogarty, the Irish Examiner's GA correspondent. We're going to take a look at the uh, football action on Saturday afternoon in Croke Park. But before that, John, uh, you have some breaking news regarding Ty the Burke and his uh, situation ahead of the All Ireland semi final against Cork. Yeah, that's it, Colm. Um, Ty the Burke's DRA appointment is scheduled for Thursday. I believe it's going to happen in Dublin. So for the third time, he'll be up the road up to Dublin first. Now, the situation is very like Connolly in the sense that Watford still have to um, release their squad by Wednesday um, to EA for match programme purposes, etc. But it's just like Connolly was allowed to um, to join the the panel late. There is extenuating circumstances here. If the Barca is cleared, then um, he will be allowed to join the panel um, as much as it's uh, you know it's not as eleventh hour as, D- as Dermot Colley's, um, um, um reinstatement, but certainly the Burke will be allowed to play if he is cleared. Uh, as much as he will, he's he's unlikely to be named in the in the group for uh, <coughs> on Wednesday, uh, the, the day prior to the DRA appointment. Uh, Rory Hannafy is now the DRA secretary, taken over from Jack Anderson, so he would have had to put together a three-man panel, an independent panel, and. Um, a majority decision there will dictate whether the Burke is able to play against Cork or not. Mm, we had a situation, of course, with Dermot Connolly two or three years ago. Became a bit of a circus in the lead-up to uh, Dublin's match that weekend. Is there a fear that this thing could derail the Watford focus? I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, Colin. The, the, the one thing that uh, Watford don't have a lot of, believe it or not, his defenders at this moment in time, I believe it might be one or two injuries in the in the group, um, so it's a question of whether they bring in another forward if the Burke is um, is suspended for the game, or whether they do something else. Now, obviously, there's going to be a huge rallying call for Watford if, if the Burke isn't, um, isn't available, and then there's the fact that Watford have lost uh, too many semi-finals for them to mention or to, to remember. Um, so they have, a, they have a couple of uh, motivating factors there. Um, and of course, Dara Fives has played in the sweeper role before. So you would imagine if, if the Burke isn't playing, then Fives can slot into that as much as the Burke has more or less made it his, his, uh, his, uh, his own um, this last while. But Watford have been very keen to try and keep this under wraps a little bit. Just I, I, I Obviously, like the Burke is still permitted to train with them because the, the suspension is pending and it's DRA pending at this moment in time. So... They, they they will have him in there, but of course they're obviously thinking about what to do if he in the event that he's not. Like the Dan Shannon's re, um, revealed last week that Harry Kyo made um, a presentation on behalf uh, uh, of the Burke, you know, a character witness almost like that. So um, I won't be surprised if he is uh, again involved if he if, if he speaks on uh, the Burke's behalf or in his favour mm. in front of the DRA again on Thursday. It gets legal now, obviously, you know. Um, they're, they're, they're looking at situations. Jack Anderson, um, the former DRA secretary, a former columnist with ourselves, made some interesting points about strict liability and whether they can actually, uh, you know, whether it can be proven that the, what the Burke did with Harry Kill's um, helmet strap was, was deliberate. Um, but the, the, the situation anyway in Watford, they seem to be, you know, quietly confident about about how they're going about things at this moment in time. But again, they are. They have backup, and I would imagine Fice will slot into that role. And then it's a question of who comes in next, whether it's a, another defender, which, as I said, they're a little bit shy on at this amount of time, or whether they bring in another forward. OK, the Sunday game panel picked up on another helmet-pulling incident in the Galway tip game last night. 
are we likely to see a similar situation developing there? Well, it's interesting, thinking back yesterday and this morning, again, called, again, who was the last hurler to miss an All-Ireland final through suspension? Now, this obviously would be retrospective suspension, but that would have been Brian O'Mara back in 2001 for what was felt at the time. And I would imagine if you looked at it now, it would look even um, less uh, less serious, uh, a bit of a, uh, not digging, but um, a bit of a horseplay or whatever you may call it, with Liam Dunn. And it was quite unfortunate that O'Mara would miss out on this. And seeing it, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, too, he um, would be very unfortunate to miss an All-Ireland final. But the fact remains there's precedent here, as it was mentioned on the Sunday game. The Sunday game were absolutely right to highlight the, the, the matter, as much as um, some people in Galway seem to be uh, taking issue with it um, this morning, social media, etc. Um, you know, it's, it's up for debate whether it was deliberate or not, but it was absolutely right that it should be looked at, it should be even investigated, and then, you know, it's up to the, to the CCCC to decide whether it was whether they feel it was deliberate or not. Obviously, Barry Kelly didn't see it, or neither did his linesman, so, you know, it, it is in the realms of retrospective suspensions, but at the same time, you have to, you have to wonder whether, um, you know, was you know did too he know as much as he did obviously he reached back and you know he reefed well for i'm putting the i'm using quite a strong word there but he did take off the the, the patrick bonamar's helmet there so and the question remains whether it was deliberate or not but again whatever about the argument about that i i think it would be very unfortunate too he was missing all our final but mm. it's absolutely right that the, the the incident should be highlighted considering what is going on with the the, the park at this moment in time but even just watching the panel last night on on television john they were, they were all in agreement that the rule itself is a very grey, grainy one. Yeah, well, the, the, the rule was brought in. We saw Stephen Bennett rightly suspended um, earlier on this summer for um, for, for uh, uh, interfering with the face guard of Damien Cahalan. Now, there's arguments about what happened between the two of them prior to that, but that's neither here nor there. Bennett was, you know, it was you seem to be interfering with the face guard, and, and that's it. Um, like, we have seen a lot of guys pick up stitches and whatever, um, uh, over the, over time, with regarding um, regarding the, the interference of face guards, and this is something that Gerard Ryan, as the head of the Medical Scientific and Welfare Committee, would have been fully behind. Um, whether what um, the Burke did, whether what too he is done, is is actually contravening the. The, 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 it might be contravening the rule, but whatever with the spirit of the rule, that argument that's that, 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 that's that's questionable because it didn't seem as if it was on neither were or on the serious end of the scale, if you want to call it that way. But again, it, it seems very black and white. It's either deliberate or not. But again, I say black and white. It's a great man when you're trying to determine if a guy actually meant to do what he did. Okay, let's turn our attention back to the football on Saturday, John. In Marked contrast to all the excitement and the drama in Crow Park on Sunday for the hurling semi-final. These two um, quarterfinals couldn't have been any flatter or couldn't have been any more anticlimactic. Mm, the hurling, I think everyone has said at this moment of time, Colin, the hurling was a tonic to what happened on Saturday. It was, um, you know, obviously this is the last year of the quarterfinals as we know it. They're going to be replaced by the Super 8 next year around Robin series, but um, I wonder, you know, are we going to get a full house again for a double header like that for you know a game at the quarterfinal stages anyway? Because a lot of people would have been put off by what they would have seen. It was uh, drab to say the least. Um, the first game, 
you know, obviously it was over and done with, with the penalty, but you might argue that it was that Armagh were flagging um, seriously before that, and then in the Dublin game, you know, I think it was half an hour when Dublin got into double digits, and uh, at that stage you, you saw no way back from Ireland, and um, you know we listen, everyone, almost everyone, um, you know, not of of a, of, of a partisan influence would have fancied Dublin and. Um, and and Tyrone to, to get through. We fully expected at the start of the season that it was going to be Dublin and Tyrone, and we expect it was going to be Kerry and Mayo. And you know, at this moment in time, as we're talking now, it seems to be like it's going to go that way. But we would have expected Armagh to put up a bigger fight. Monaghan um, just struck me as very old, looking very old this year, and they're going to be a couple of retirements. You would imagine with the likes of Vinnie Corey and Desi Moan have given some service to, to Monaghan obviously they came off the bench but I, I, I think O'Rourke didn't put enough faith in some of his youthful players like Conor McCarthy who was outstanding when he came on he seemed to be himself and McCarran seemed to be the guys the only guys who were really taking it to Dublin when uh, listen it was a lost cause at that stage and as for Armagh um, you know there was a lot of credit being given to Kieran McGinney last week and the guy is a proven manager, but at the same time, I think there was a bit too many, uh, too many uh, plaudits going his way. Like Armagh Division Three team haven't got out of Division Three team, the uh, Division Three this year. Um, obviously, they were there was a bit of a sucker punch against Tipperary, but at the same time, they didn't get out of it. Tyrone are a Division One team, and um, all the confidence that was coming out of Tyrone last week was justified. And they fancy themselves against Dublin now. Mm. Um, they, they 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 think they're going to they, they they'll be able to negate them, but um, it's going to be a fascinating semi-final and let's hope it is really because the billing that we gave these couple of games obviously not Dublin Monaghan not to that extent but the billing that was given to the Tyrone Armagh game was probably a bit exaggerated yeah I must say the the Tyrone Armagh game John given the history between the two counties given Kieran McGinney manager of Armagh I was so surprised with how how flat Armagh was and and it was something that Oshin McConville mentioned as well too in his uh, column today that he was there was a great line it was uh, sickeningly pally-wally but that at- attitude dictated how we were going to do our business it lent itself to a defeatist attitude when we should have been on the edge yeah it's 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 something um, obviously they, they, uh, I would imagine they weren't told to behave themselves or anything like um, it was it, it was surprising just how flat they were in that regard and I, I completely agree with McConville's point uh, on, on that matter like we're used to seeing you know you, you would have fancied Armagh to make some sort of statement of physical intent in the first 10-15 minutes but it wasn't coming uh, at all and if anything the only physical um, incidents came near towards the end when there was some frustration from the likes of Jamie Clark um, which you know obviously was far too late and just born of frustration because it was, the game was well and truly up on them at that, at that stage but um, they, they are just not involved as much as this Tyrone team uh, Cullum at this moment in time and that, that really came to bear like you know if it was a game then again you know you look at what Tyrone did to Donegal this year but you know, you would imagine that the margin wouldn't have been as much if it was in Clonus or if it was in the Athletic Grounds or Healy Park or something like that. Co Park has a way of, you know, um, what could you say, exaggerating the the differences between teams. And this Tyrone team, now um, they've been gunning for Dublin. They would have known. They would have fancied that they were going to be facing Dublin. Um, and I thought in both um, games that there was, um, you know, one eye. Certainly after. Um, 
you know, there was enough <clears throat> enough of a gap put between themselves and Monaghan and, and Armagh that Tyrone and Dublin were, um, they had already had one eye on what was mm. coming ahead in three weeks' time. Actually, yeah, Mossy Quinn made the same point as well today in the uh, Irish Examiner Sports section, John, that, you know, the headline tells us all, were Tyrone already on Dublin's mind? Yeah, you could see it, because for, 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 for Dublin, 100%. Like we saw them in the Leinster Championship, um, pushing up on on uh, on kickouts, and they didn't do that. They allowed um, they allowed Monaghan a, a little bit of space there. I said, surprised Monaghan a bit, but again, Dublin don't want to be pushing up on Tyrone's kickouts either because they've seen that if they do that, because I'm certainly did it against Tyrone on on Saturday. If they do that, there's gaps, and as McConville made the point that they can be overrun and there can be a ball put over the top like there was famously um, by Donegal Paul Durkin's kick out and the ball being broken down for Ryan McHugh's goal that really spelled the end of, of Dublin in that second half I think we're going to get a game very similar to that 2014 game or the 2011 game against Donegal I think Tyrone uh, it'll be it's going to come down to a lot of um, long range kicking from Dublin which they are good at and, and, and that's really going to um, strengthen the case for Connolly to come in because obviously he's been training away and he is along with Paul Flynn one of the best long range kickers uh, on this Dublin team so it, it, it might be a, a bit of guerrilla warfare in that way and there might be a bit of um, there, there, there might be a, 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 what could you say you know shooting from distance certainly a lot of shooting from distance and a lot of uh, um, snipering in that in that way because the, the Tyrone are going to have to do the same and obviously they have fine uh, long range kickers in the likes of Peter Hart and and, and, and Donnelly so if, if, from a distance it could be uh, that, that seems to be the, the team going into this game anyway. Finally John is it going to be a case of a, a marketing rethink for the title Super 8 next season will we be looking more at uh, Super Super 3 or Super 4? Well, come for all my criticism of the Super 8, and, you know, I just think there's been a ceiling put on the likes of Clare, Tipperary, improving teams, uh, getting to semi-finals now. I think the, 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 the All-Ireland semi-finals, um, obviously Mayo have had some difficulties this year, but you could probably predict three of the four All-Ireland semi-finals again. Um, the, the three that we have, Kerry, Dublin, Throne, they're probably going to fill the three of the four roles again next summer um, and you wonder you know is that is that good for football obviously you know I've always argued that the Super 8 is um, is a means a backward not a backward means but certainly by stealth it's a means of trying to uh, stratify or, or at least tear the championship the, the football championship um, you know I think that's a good that's a good idea that the, tier, the championship has to be tiered I just don't agree with the way that they're doing I don't think the 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 end justifies the means in that regard, but obviously you have to say that the uh, the Super Eight it was a term that was never um, uh, termed by the GA, so I don't think we're going to see that being um, referenced next year. I think it's just going to be called the All Ireland Series or something like that. They'll come up with some other name, but obviously the Super Eight is going to stick. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, there is no Super Eight like Division One. There's been some great football over the last while, but the league is. <laughs> is a separate entity to the championship and you know while Monaghan in spring might be might give a game to, to Dublin when they're not fully fit when they're not you know they're experimenting when they can afford to experiment and like the likes of Monaghan um, it's it's going to be much different in the summer so um, yeah there's a there's a lot of questions obviously it's on a trial basis for three years and, and what have you um, 
but you know the the the, the arguments or the points to which part Duffy takes exception to that it's just a money spinner, and um, they're not going to go away. They're certainly not going to go away. Um, when when you're seeing games like we saw at the weekend, and if if we see three weekends like that. Um, where there are one one-sided, lopsided, whatever you may call it, avalanche um, victories for teams, avalanche defeats for teams. If we see three weekends of that in a row next year, then you know there's going to be a hell of a lot of criticism of the Super Eight. But let's see how it goes first. Uh, things can change, but at this point of time, I think it's uh, more the same next year. Dublin carrying Toronto to dominate. And that's it for this week's edition of Paper Talk. Our thanks, as always, to Anthony Daly and to John Fogarty. Don't forget, you can keep in touch with us via irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk on SoundCloud and on iTunes. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.